A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. How are you? How's your week been? Uh, <sighs> I know how it's been. It's been not a great week. Yeah. Haley is looking for a house. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You were full of gusto and energy yeah, and excitement. Jumped gonna... into the shark tank that yeah. was described to me in detail. And I thought, it's not going to be that bad. I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out Haley's just like the rest of us. <laughs> and just, it is so tough out there. And yeah. honestly, I feel like I'm part of this process because I've I've seen the houses that you're looking at. Yep. You know, you find a new one mm-hmm. and you show oh, me the this. pictures. Yeah. You get all excited. And now I'm just cringing every time you get a text because I'm thinking, oh, is this news that the offer didn't get accepted? Yep. Or it is so and tough. It is. It is that text. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so bad because I don't deal with disappointment well. Yeah, and, and it's extra bad when we're both disappointed. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. hopefully somebody out there, please accept, give me a house. Accept <laughs> Haley's offer because she's got plans for ways to get a house, and I don't know that they're ethical. She's thought about they're bringing rat droppings and just <laughs> leaving them around to create the idea that Hiring this place is actors in... to be, you know, less than friendly outside the house. Yeah, and act like neighbors <laughs> and stuff like that. I would I, never actually do that. No, I, but we you have definitely we have joked house. about that, that that is a funny idea. Mm-hmm. It would be good for TV. It would be great for TV. <laughs> anyway, struggling to find a house. A lot of folks are in that boat and, you know, there's a bunch of people who are debating if they're even going to jump into this whole market and, and try to figure out what they can do. And yeah. if that's you and you're not sure, and you're maybe not wanting to jump in, we've got projects today that can maybe help you get the exterior of your home. Looking a little better. Looking a little better for very little money, very little time investment. Exactly. These, These are just weekend projects. Small really. projects, but a huge impact. We're going to get to that at the end of the show. We'll also be speaking with Brad Krause, the president of Service Professor, about supply chain shortages. We're all seeing it. We've seen how lumber has just skyrocketed in price. We see it in the paint industry. Raw materials are harder to get right now. And it's amazing that it actually affects just about every industry in different ways. So many things. Brad's going to talk about that and how it's affected Service Professor. And we're going to kind of dig into why it's happening. How long it might last. And I'm going to demand answers about when it will be over. (laughs) We'll see once if he's got those answers. But right now, we're going to talk about composting. It's something that we've never dug into before. Yeah. Ha <laughs> And it's, I, I think, a really interesting topic because I had a compost pile at the house mm-hmm. that I'm at now when I moved in. The previous owners had that. And it was nothing but yuck to me. It stunk. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just assumed it's just a dumb process. And I think a lot of people feel that way about composting because I had the same thing when we moved into a house um, when I was probably in elementary school in the backyard, right in the center, there was a pile that was just like an open compost pile. The pile. The pile. And it looked like a giant pile of leaves. Did you hide in it it like a leaf pile? No, it was like really solid and soggy. And yeah, my parents were not super happy about having to like shovel that out and just get rid of this. And there's always like a ring in our yard where that used to be. (laughs) (laughs) It left its mark. I have the same thing. I got rid of mine 
because it stunk and it did all these things. And I've dug into it since. And you and I have talked about it. And I think really what it boils down to is I was doing it all wrong. Right. There's a lot of advantage. And that's what we're going to dig into right now. And let's start with just getting what is composting? We went to the Google. Yeah. And the Google says. Google says composting is the natural process of recycling organic matter, such as leaves and food scraps, into a valuable fertilizer that can enrich soil and plants. Wow. You really put a lot of drama in there. Yeah. You like that? I did. It was actually good. It summed it all up, though. Composting is going to help us reduce waste, you know, cutting down on all these things that we fill our garbage with, that fill the landfills, mm-hmm. things like that. But also by doing that, we're producing great food for the garden. Exactly. You're making your own fertilizer or plant food that you would, you know, go to a garden store to get and spend kind of a lot of money for something that you can make yourself Mm -hmm. pretty easily as long as you're following the right process. And that's what people kind of fall short of, I think. Right. And that plays into the downsides of composting. The upsides are what we just talked about. The downsides are, you know, first off, it takes time and attention. Yes. What good thing doesn't, though? All right. (laughs) That's kind of a throwaway point. The two bigger ones are there's a smell involved and pests. Yes. And really, the smell is only present when you don't take the time to do this right. And pests can be avoided um, by the type of composting you decide to do. Right. And I struggled with both of those problems, and I just thought the whole process was bad. Right. It turns out it's my fault. There's a science (laughs) to doing it right. And really, the secret is in the carbon to nitrogen ratio. Exactly. It's that rule of thirds again. And this is our third time talking about the rule of thirds. Normally, in terms of decorating, but now in terms of the nitrogen versus Carbon. carbon ratio. Yeah, you want... Two-thirds carbon, one-third nitrogen, and usually people have it swapped, and that's why it takes longer to break down. You get the smell, because it's just not getting enough oxygen, essentially. Nitrogen-rich materials are things like grass clippings, manures, food scraps, coffee grounds, things like that, kitchen waste, green leaves. Those provide a lot of nitrogen. But the carbon stuff, we really have to pay attention to and collect more consciously because we need a lot of it. And that's things like branches, dried leaves, sawdust, if you've got it around, I guess. Um, Things from inside, like newspaper or paper bags, you can shred down and throw in there too. Um, But straw is going to be kind of the ideal Right. Two-thirds carbon-rich, one-third nitrogen, and you're golden. Exactly. A couple things, though. Not all (laughs) nitrogen or carbon ingredients are created equal. So wood chips, for example, they're carbon, carbon carbon-rich, but they might have too much carbon. Right. They're a little too loaded. Yeah. So you've got (laughs) to add them in the right proportions And then pine needles, too, can be too acidic. Um, So you just have to pay attention, again, to the science and the pH that you're creating within your compost pile. But then there are some materials that have to be added in very specific ways, too. Like I talked about the brown paper bags or newspapers from inside. You've got to shred those. You can't just throw them in. You've got to make sure that you're creating materials that can be easily broken down in your pile. Right. Grass clippings as well. Don't just dump piles and piles and layers and layers of grass clippings. It just breaks the process down and you end up with a stink, too much nitrogen. It's not layered correctly. So All of that plays in, and it sounds a little complicated. Luckily... Yeah, I found a really good chart out there, and we're going to put it in our show notes, but it tells you... Um, kind of the breakdown of the different household carbon and nitrogen materials that you probably have around, and the kind of pros and cons, I guess, of each, how to use them in your compost pile. Right. So there's info out there to help you with 
some of the stuff that maybe seemed more complicated than it should have. Now, okay, those are the things that you should be adding to your compost pile in varying ratios. Yes. There are things that should never go on the compost right. pile, though, because <laughs> that's going to just create problems. First meat. off, meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't put a bunch of meat out there. You're going to have all the neighborhood dogs. Oh, my gosh. You know, meat, bones, fish scraps, all of that's bad. Milk, just, dairy, yeah. Inviting problems. Raccoons are going to find their way. Bugs. Don't add that stuff. Avoid composting perennial weeds or diseased plants. Yeah, you don't want to spread more weed seeds into your compost pile that you're going to put in your garden later. And you definitely don't want to spread disease. (laughs) Right. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, If you add yard trimmings, you don't want to add yard trimmings that have been treated with pesticides. Yeah. Because there are organisms in this system that you're creating that you want to stay alive (laughs) to make it work. And you don't want to kill them accidentally exactly don't include pet manures this should not need to be said (laughs) but don't include pet manures in compost that will be used on food crops or your own yeah stay away from your own manure did you take us there (laughs) yes no don't ever do that this is not a toilet replacement (laughs) right right no none of that goes on your compost pile that's going to be used on food crops right all right so that's kind of the sciencey stuff and then a little bathroom stuff from Haley Sorry. about compost piles. And I guess the biggest question right now is how do we start? What's the best way to jump in and get going? The cheapest and maybe easiest way to start is just on the ground. Okay. <laughs> just on bare earth, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to get super fancy. Um, and that also helps you because it's allowing worms and other beneficial organisms to aerate and also carry your compost to your garden, which is what you're after. All right. So you start with just a space and then you lay down twigs or straw. Generally, you want about a few inches deep and that's going to just help with drainage and help aerate the pile. Exactly. Add the compost materials in layers. So you're alternating between moist and dry or as we've been talking about them, carbon and nitrogen. So nitrogen is the activator that's got all the living enzymes, um, but the carbon stuff is going to help provide oxygen. Right. So layer them like that, and you're sprinkling thin layers. Yep. Right? You don't want them to clump together, or it's going to slow down how, how fast it can break down. And you've got to keep it moist, too, and not sopping wet, just moist. It should feel like um, if you've got like a kitchen sponge after it's been wrung out. So there's some water there, but you're not like dripping everywhere. All right. Kitchen yeah. sponge like it's been wrung out. I've mm-hmm. never heard anybody describe how something feels by that. <laughs> but thanks, Haley. Yeah, you're welcome. I've got a lot of gross. It's very accurate. <laughs> gross kitchen sponges, and that's what I'm thinking about right now. Okay. I don't want your mildew sponge. <laughs> I, no. You want a good sponge. But yeah, in regards to keeping it moist... You do want to cover it, though, and the covering is going to help retain the moisture and the heat that's in it, but it's also going to prevent it from becoming overwatered exactly. by the rain. That's and what we don't want. To cover it, all you really need to use is whatever you've got around. Yeah, wood, wood plastic, sheeting, um, carpet scraps was listed. I don't... Yeah, that seems I, maybe random, but... Of, seems a little bit specific. backwoodsy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever you got. And the last thing that you want to uh, keep in mind is that it's got to be turned Every few weeks or so, you give the pile a quick turn with a pitchfork or a shovel. Or an aerator. Right. It's a lot of fun. This part is probably the least fun of the process, but it's really important. It's really important because it's adding the oxygen that's required for the process to work. It's what keeps it from being smelly like we keep talking about. You've got to have enough oxygen, not so much nitrogen. Right. Now, all of that, we went through it fast. We're going to put more info in the show notes. You can check it out. 
it's definitely worth digging into. I think it's a really fun little, almost like a little hobby. Yeah, it is right? a hobby. I mean, you've really got to have time and attention. These things I can use at home, this fertilizer. I love it. It's pretty exciting. All right. Now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about different composters that you can buy that will help with the process and a couple of tools that you're going to want to have. Yep. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and Haley, we were talking about composting. We were. We decided it's going to be a new hobby. I At least for one of us. It's going to be a lifestyle, Dan. Oh, a lifestyle. <laughs> it's big stuff. It's really cool. I did it wrong previously. I'm excited to give it a try and do it right. Now, if you missed last segment, we talked about kind of the science behind it and how to get it right. Exactly. Right now, let's talk about some of the tools and items that we can buy. And let's start with the different composters that are out there. Yeah, because there's standard composting bins that I think we probably all think about when we hear composting. Um, it's the classic four walls open on the bottom so it's on the ground and maybe it has a lid, maybe it doesn't. Okay. But, what are they made out of? They're um, plastic? Plastic, wood. Okay, we could make our own. Exactly. Okay. And that's why they're kind of more of like the DIY, but there's a lot of expensive ones out there too, so it's like the whole range. If spending money's your thing, we can help <laughs> you out. If you want to do it yourself, that's out there too. The good thing about the ones that you can buy is that they're totally enclosed and they've got a door at the bottom, so you can get the really good you know, black gold out for your garden and still have the compost at work at the top. So there are some benefits to them, but... The downside is that it's really hard to turn the material over because you're in an enclosed space, right? It's hard to get a pitchfork in there and actually mix it all up. And that's going to be the case with any of these standard compost bins. Exactly. Yeah, that's the downside. Okay. What else is out there? There are tumblers that almost look like a cement mixer type things. Yeah. They kind of look like that or <laughs> this is going to sound so funny, but uh, you know the little contraptions that they put the bingo balls in to stir them up before they shoot out and say the numbers. Right. It looks like one of those to me. Oh, so it could be a game, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could stir your compost pile and... Yeah. I mean, it's essentially just a round or maybe a hexagon-shaped box, uh, and you've got a little hand crank on the side, so you can turn it without an extra tool. It's a little bit easier, supposedly. Okay. So those are tumblers? Yes. Can they be made ourselves or are those something that we generally want to buy? There actually are DIY tumblers out there where you can put a bunch of holes in a garbage can and just roll it around the yard. Roll it around the yard and that mixes work out. everything out. It's a little workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of fun, right? Now, so we can make our own DIY one out of a barrel, like yep. you mentioned. We could buy these other ones mm-hmm. and do that. Now, the what downside seen, is that they're kind of small. That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah. I've got a lot of stuff. That we're going to be composting. And that's probably too small for what I need. Yeah, I think you're more after a big bin or even like a DIY one. Okay. I should just go with the standard bin. Yeah, I think it's probably the most practical. That's the best for me. But the thing that you've got to consider with a bin is that you've got to turn the stuff over still, like I talked about. Right. And that's Are you the saying tricky I'm not part. Physically capable? <laughs> 
I've been going to the gym. I know. And this is just another added workout, another workout. layer for your gym. So You're really going to move fast, Dan. I'm going to. I'm going to bulk up really fast. What do I need to pull this off? Either a pitchfork or an aerator. And there's... Things to look for when you're purchasing these because well, a pitchfork. Yeah, that's the one I care about because it sounds more fun. Okay, like you want to be like Farmer Dan yeah. with a pitchfork. So what am I looking for? <laughs> you want something that has fairly light weight to it. Um, not just for me. Can, that's everybody. No, everyone. Everyone's looking for a lightweight, not exactly. me. Exactly. And they okay. range from like five pounds to three pounds. Yeah. So you're looking for like that three pound range. It's just going to be a lot easier because you're lifting heavy compost material to turn it over and you don't have to make it work make smarter, it not harder. Right. Right. So you're not a wuss if you go get the lightweight pitchfork no. you're thinking. Exactly. Right. The length is the other part of it, though. If you have a shorter handle or, I guess, shaft on the pitchfork, then it's going to be a lot less cumbersome when you've got to dig into this bin. It's an enclosed space, so it's kind of awkward. Yeah. If you have a really long handle, it's going to be even more awkward. All right. So a shorter handle. What about, like, tines and stuff? I know there's a bunch of different types of pitchforks out there. Yeah, the tines are like the you know forks at the end, and there's either flat squared off ones and those ones scoop a lot better but the thin ones will clog less so you're spending less time kind of digging out the leaves that are getting stuck in between so i think that's really personal preference honestly maybe maybe get one of each and give it a try anything (laughs) else we need to think about when we're i never thought a pitchfork had so many options to consider who would think right but there's like a whole article, well, multiple articles on ratings of different pitchforks. Right. The other big thing is having a handle at the end makes it more ergonomic. You want something to hold on to that's a little bit less awkward than something that is just straight all the way down. Right. right. Another thing that you mentioned was yes, an aerator. The aerator. And I think this is what I would use because it sounds like less work. Oh. <laughs> well, then put me down for one of those, too. Yeah. It's um becoming more popular than the traditional pitchfork because they're just a lot easier to what use. What do you do? What is it? Um, you can think about the first type as a corkscrew. And it's just, it looks like a giant version of a wine opener. So okay. you're just kind of drilling into it and you're mixing and it just, up and you're okay. creating oxygen. But then the other one, the one I want, is a plunger aerator. And that's got spikes. So you're just popping holes in it? Kind of. When you pull up with the plunger, there are spikes that fold out. So then it's pulling compost up to the top at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it's mixing it around. Right. But I don't have to do the whole thing. Just... Yeah. A few areas mm-hmm. and I'm good to go. It seems like it's a lot faster and all easier. Right. We're going to put all of that info in the show notes. You can check it out. Composting. It's doable. Yeah. Everyone right? can do this. Yeah. I screwed it up the first time. I'll get it right <laughs> the second. Now we're going to take a break. And when we're back, we'll be on the phone with Brad Krause from Service Professor. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we are in the, well, we're not in the studio. We are on the phone with Brad Krause, the president of Service Professor. Brad, thanks for talking with us today. That's my pleasure. I, I certainly appreciate you having me on again. Well, we're happy to. It's been a little bit. And for the listeners who aren't aware, Service Professor is unique. You guys are, uh, you're not a big chain or anything like that, locally owned, 
but you guys do so many different things. Why don't you talk about that a minute? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say the, the chain thing. We One of the a common questions we get, and I think it's a, um, a testimonial to our marketing and our marketing team, is we get asked all the time if we're a franchise and part of a franchise, and we're not. Um, and we do get solicited by franchising companies wanting to franchise us, I guess. But, you know, we are, we're homegrown. I mean, we are we're a local company, and um, recently, uh, in the last 12 months, uh, added our Kalamazoo location. So we uh, we have that up and running, doing well down there actually bought property along us 131 to kind of build our dream building down there in the next couple of years as well. Very cool. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we're, uh, expanding and in, in different things and yeah, our, our services continue to expand. We do, uh, cut our teeth on electrical originally. And, uh, but now we are full service. We do plumbing and heating and cooling and duct cleaning and sewer replacement drains, wow. duct sealing. We do just about, about everything. Um, it's been great, you know, and I think with that growth, you know, we, we feel a heavy uh, obligation, um, you know, that we put on ourselves to, to kind of give back and give back to our community. And so in the last 12 months, we've launched our, our SP Cares program, uh, which we every month we, we um, donate to a local charity and different things through different um, things at the office and with our customers, they can round up their invoice to donate as well. And geez, I think last month we gave several thousand dollars to kids food basket you know is and, and that was just that's really cool it's, it yeah. kind of feels like you, you you're there now and you belong you know i guess mm-hmm. part of the community that's right so brad right now we're dealing with it at repcolite uh the lumber industry is dealing with it. there's shortages Supply. yeah of all kinds of different things you know and there's a number of different reasons for all of these things but we're working with paint shortages. Mm-hmm. We're having a hard time getting certain raw ingredients. Yeah. And everybody is, not just Repcolite, all paint manufacturers no. everywhere. And we're doing better than most right. paint manufacturers. So if that says anything, I mean, it's really a problem everywhere and unintended COVID effects or, you know, Texas being frozen. <laughs> yeah. So many different things. And I guess I'm curious, what are you seeing in all the different fields that you guys cover. A very, very similar story, you know, and I think when I heard of the, the ice storms in Texas, I think all of us Michiganders, like when we heard that, we're like, oh, you know, geez, a little ice, you can't handle a little ice, you yeah. know, and cause we're so used to it. But you know, I know several companies down there that op- that do similar things to uh, as us, you know, with uh, our type of business. And they said it was just a disaster. And, um, you know, their water heaters down there are in the attic. Well, right. Attics are unconditioned. Well, when you get a couple of nights of frozen, you know, temperatures, you know, below freezing temperatures, it's going to freeze those pipes. And they said it was just, uh, it was bad. It was really rough for a while. So, you know, those types of things have created shortages, but we're seeing it across the board in every one of our departments, um, for a good bit there to, to, to get a generator, um, you know, that a customer wanted installed. It was months out. Like we had to, we had to let customers know, you know, you're months away from us installing this because we can't get the product. Wow. They've gotten that down to a couple of weeks now, uh, but water heaters, uh, Bradford White, right in our backyard down here in, uh, in, in Middleville, you know, they're a huge manufacturer of, of water heaters, and uh, they've, they've made everybody, uh, notified all of them about their shortages because of the, the, the petroleum uh, that's required to manufacture the insulation of their tanked water heaters. Okay. Uh, so we pre-bought a bunch of those. Um, those are in very short supply right now. Uh Heating and cooling equipment, uh, very much a short supply depending on the manufacturer. 
we're a carrier dealer and we've had our fair share of supply issues. And I mean, you know, and, and why, yeah, there's some, there's some uh, commodity material issues for mm-hmm. them to be able to do their manufacturing, but you know, labor is also a, a, a kind of accounts for a number of the issues that they're all experiencing as well. Just so much going on. What do you tell your customers? I mean, you're talking to a lot of people right now and some of them are looking at projects or planning on projects. How can we best work around this situation, or is it just waited out? Well, it's a little both. You know, I, we we're doing our best. You know, our, our purchasing department is is really uh, working tirelessly to make sure that we don't run out of product. I mean, you know, selfishly, we wanna we want our trucks to be running and installing and stuff, and we cannot do that without the product. But yeah, it's 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 kind of new new territory. We're not used mm-hmm. to you know not being able to buy a circuit breaker. I mean, for an electrical panel. Yeah, it, things you like would never think me. of. Yeah, it's a circuit breaker. Uh, but all of those things are in short supply. And we're just trying to hedge it the best we can by doing a lot of pre-buys when we can come across the equipment. You know, we're lucky enough to have a, a decent-sized warehouse and space to be able to, to store some of those things until we're in need. Uh, right now, it hasn't hindered us. Um, I think the the generator uh, situation, at least that was, I guess, to most people, a luxury item. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people with medical conditions that really need them, but sure. most people that purchase them are it's for luxury. It's just for convenience. So, waiting two months wasn't wasn't detrimental, if you will. Uh, but some of this other stuff could be if it gets any worse, and we're just doing our, our very best to hedge it right now. Now, you mentioned this is new territory. You've been in the business for sure, the electrical side of things, for a long time. Have you ever seen anything even close to what we're going through? Or is this something that happens from time to time and we just don't normally all hear about it? Well, I think it probably happens time to time. Uh, we, 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 don't see a, we do not see much of it. Uh, for sure, this is uncharted waters. Uh, I think to have it all happen at the same time, though, mm-hmm. is definitely uh, an event that nobody's used to. And that's what's taken place due to COVID and in different other circumstances. I mean... You know, when you think about the, the workforce issues that they're all having, um, a little fun fact for you. I know Carrier told us because we're we're working with them constantly and on how to how to um, adapt. Mm-hmm. They, they told us that last week alone, they offered uh, 200 positions to be filled, uh, made offer letters for 200 unfilled positions to be able to manufacture better, stronger, and faster, and 11 were accepted. Wow. 11. That's the workforce <laughs> issues that they're all dealing with. That's crazy. Yeah, it is like a multifaceted issue right now, for sure. And it's across so many industries. I mean, I've heard people waiting four months for furniture even. Yeah, appliances, yeah. furniture, circuit breakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, good grief. Brad, tell us the future. When will yeah. this be over? Yeah, well, and when will my life be happier again? Yeah, I don't know if you hear that. I'm opening my drawer right now to grab my crystal ball. For <laughs> um, now, you know, I, I think with with more people being vaccinated and, and all the, I think it's 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 a promising outlook yeah. uh, as it relates to to COVID. So I think it, it can't do anything but to but to to go to go vertical, right? To go in the positive direction. Um, you know, with our growth, the way that we're experiencing it, you know, we we're up 60% this time compared to last year. Well, what that means to us is, you know, we need more people. There's the workforce problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more more vehicles for them to drive. Right now, we cannot get brand new vehicles. Um, oh, wow. Ford has announced, uh, we, we drive a lot of Ford Transits, and uh, they've announced that they have a chip 
shortage in their in their key fobs or something of that nature. That oh my goodness, uh, yeah, in panic mode about getting vehicles. So, talk about restricting businesses' growth in the next twelve months because you can't even get vehicles to drive. I hesitate to tell you that I drive a Ford Transit. <laughs> you can't have it. But. <laughs> uh, but you guys are weathering it, you said. You said you're smart buying. That's what everybody's trying to do. Repcolite, we've adjusted even how some of our products are made. Mm-hmm. Reformulated certain products, produced new ones to work around the issues. Yeah, we're very lucky in that we can actually do that. You can't reformulate <laughs> how the wiring is done, yeah. right? So we've got some wiggle room where we can pivot a little bit with these raw ingredient shortages and actually make something better ultimately. But that's a tough spot to be in when it just doesn't exist. Yeah, you're fortunate in that regard. We're not we're not manufacturing circuit breakers right. or SP, so don't, we don't get to reformulate. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, in the last little bit that we've got, you know, you mentioned a number of the things that you guys do, and I know you've added a number of new things. You've got inner seal. That's pretty new for you guys, isn't it? It is. You know, inner seal is it's just really cool technology. You know, people unfortunately live with uncomfortable homes all the time. Right? Why is this room colder? Why is this room hotter? I'm not comfortable in here, et cetera. And without knowing, um, they're wasting energy. Every duct system leaks, and it leaks terribly. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have this technology now that we can actually spray uh, from the inside. We, we seal duct uh, work systems from the inside out. Oh, wow. So it, it gets rid of all of that leakage. Yeah. So that way, the energy that you are producing and paying for is getting to where it's intended to go to instead of in your floor joist space or your attic space or your yeah. unfinished basement space. So how do we check that out? Where do we find more information about that or about any of the things that you guys do? Right on our website. I mean, it's it's all on there. Is there a phone number that you can give out? Yeah, they can obviously go old school and give us a call. We, we love phone calls. And um, main line number here is 616-871-1900. All right. Perfect. Brad Krause, President of Service Professor. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, my pleasure. hope you all have a great day. Thank you. Now, all right. We've got to take a quick break. But when we're back, we're going to be talking about some exterior projects, small exterior projects, inexpensive exterior projects that will completely change the look and feel of your home. That's all coming up just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, we ended the last segment promising a number of different projects that were going to help people feel way better about their homes, mm-hmm. that were going to increase the curb appeal and do all of that on a very small budget yeah. and a small time frame. And there really are these projects outside. You know, we could definitely jump in and say, paint the whole house. Yeah. And there are ways to do that. It is a doable project. A lot of people might think that it's not a doable project for them, but it is. And it's not going to take as much paint as you might think it would need. Yeah, people are often surprised that it actually doesn't take as much but we know not everybody's going to want to jump into that project. Yeah, a quart of paint still sounds better than multiple gallons, ultimately. <laughs> and it's really fun when you can say, here's a project that will take a quart of paint that will still have a big impact. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of those. You pulled a whole list together. 
front doors, I think, is the one on mm-hmm. everyone's mind. It's very easy. It's front and center. And it's the one we think about most often. But garage doors are also paintable. Shutters, a front porch floor or ceiling even can mm-hmm. make a really big impact. Um, even the foundation of your house, you know, if it's not painted already, it can really finish the space off and make it look clean. Yeah, all these little projects can make a huge difference. And when it comes to these projects, the mm-hmm. big thing to think about is color. It's it's the name of the game right. in all of these. Well, and it changes our evaluation of the space. Our perceived value can change based on color if it conforms to now, you know, wh- what trends you mean by right that? now. Um, okay, I think we can all picture like colors that we would think of as outdated or like 70s colors right where mm-hmm. it might just look like it hasn't been touched recently now do you think that we when that's my house mm-hmm. and it's outdated like that yeah is that something that i'm consciously aware of i think so so i'm yeah. consciously aware that that's what's going on and that it looks dated yes okay i don't know if i agree with that i think it's it's a mix yeah but i think it does play into how we feel about the home whether we realize what's going on or not yeah maybe not consciously but i think subconsciously we're aware of how updated a space is. And making those small changes, because the, the reason I bring that up is because when we talk about value and, mm-hmm. and perceived value, I think a lot of us, me included, right away think, well, I'm not selling, so I don't need to right. worry about the value of the home. I'm not concerned about, or we're in the market that we're in. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it could be a cardboard box and it's going to go for 200000 right? <laughs> yeah. But it's not just the value to another buyer. What's more important to me is the value to me as a homeowner and everybody out there as a homeowner. Exactly. Your perceived value of your home, how you feel about that place can be affected by these little things and changing them Mm -hmm. can have a huge impact. Yeah. It's like the pride of ownership. Yeah. So let's talk about how do you choose colors for some of these places? Because a front door color Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest struggles that people have. Yeah. Front and center. No one's... Not looking at that. That's the thing. A bedroom, it's tucked away at least. Mm-hmm. If I mess that color up, okay, I <laughs> no can one live sees with it. it. <laughs> it's my family. This is the front door. Everybody's riding by thinking, what were they thinking? Right. And we know that happens because yes. we all do it. We all do it. Um, I think the most important thing to consider still is light. When we're talking about color in any space, lighting is key because color is light. So we've got to think about that front and center. When you're in a store and you're looking at color chips, you cannot just base your color off of that lighting. You've got to take it outside because this is going to be an exterior color. You're looking at it in natural light all of the time. You're never going to be looking at this color under fluorescence inside of a store. (laughs) Right, right. And when you're looking at it outside, it's so much brighter. That affects even how the color looks, right? I mean, it brightens it up a lot. Yeah, it's reflecting more light. So it's going to look at least two shades lighter outside than it would inside. So keep that in mind as you're picking these colors. You want to compensate for that by choosing colors that are shade or two darker than what you might be thinking. Exactly. The other thing to consider, too, is that you've got to take into account the landscaping and the colors that are already on the home, right? You don't want this color to camouflage into your landscaping. I think that's especially tricky when we're picking out greens for our house because we're surrounded by green outside. So it's hard to pick colors that still stand out, yet don't clash with the landscape you've got going on. So you've got to keep that in mind. Definitely. I would think you keep 
in mind, at least to some extent, even neighbor house colors and things like that, especially front door colors. Yeah, you maybe you don't want to copy your don't, neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've run into that where someone came in, I remember that years back, where I, I, there's a great front door color. I love it. And, you know, we figured out what it was. You know, they had a, a picture and mm-hmm. we matched it as close as we could. They were really happy. Turns out it was their neighbor's front oh door color, gosh. and yeah, that person was less happy. Yeah, they thought they found something unique, and then the next person duplicated it. Oh my god! So don't do that. That'd be frustrating. But <laughs> keep that in mind. You don't want to go a little bit ridiculous, and you don't want to be exactly the same. What other things would you want to keep in mind? The roof color. The roof color is definitely one that I think goes overlooked sometimes because it's not something that we often pay attention to. It's just kind of overlooked, and. It really does play a part, especially if we have a roof color that's not so neutral. Something like uh, red or orange tile that can definitely dictate what colors you can and cannot put on the front door. All right. So when you're helping people try to pick a color for the front door, you talk about the things that you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. What other things do you help people with so they can find exactly where they want to go? Well, I think you've got to consider the saturation of colors. And this is a big one, especially when we're talking about front doors, because how saturated a color is and what we're talking about is how pure or, you know, if a color is in its truest version. If Mm -hmm. we think of yellow, like our standard Crayola yellow or blue or like fire engine red, those are what we think of as pure colors. And we don't necessarily want those on an exterior. Um, We might think that we do and we're looking for a really bold front door color, Mm -hmm. but they can actually be a little jarring sometimes. You still want something that's got enough depth that you can rest your eyes on it. Otherwise, it's going to be too much color. You're not going to be able to look at it for very long. So what do you do? Um, Find something more muted. Yes. Find something more muted. It still conveys the idea. It's ideal if you can get a color that's got a little bit of gray in it or some black that's going to help ground the color. That's going to play better in nature. It's not going to be so distracting or jarring, but you can still retain the boldness. All right. A great tool that you can use is Benjamin Moore's Color Visualizer. That's on their website. You can upload pictures of your home and kind of play with colors that way. The Benjamin Moore Color app, the color portfolio app for your phone, will do the same thing. And I found that works really well. You can take a picture of the front door and do the exact same thing. Isolate the door, change colors, and at least get an idea. Yeah, it's never going to be like 100% accurate. Right. Now, definitely with all of these things, you know, all these different projects that we mentioned, the the big thing is that you want to consider the surface that you're painting. We'd recommend, you know, let's just quick in the last little bit that we've got, give out some paint recommendations. For front doors, Benjamin Moore's Grand Entrance, Repcolite's Endura. Both would be great for that. Shutters and garage doors, again, uh, Endura, Benjamin Moore Regal Select. You might need primers. All of that we can help you with depending on the project. You always want to talk to the people in the stores about your project so that you can make sure you're doing any of the prep that's necessary. The biggest mistake people make is rushing into a project and not doing the prep first. It's really going to change the life of the paint. Yeah, so stop out at any Repcolator Port City Paints and we'll help you with what you're working on. And who knows, by the end of next weekend... You might feel completely different about your home. You could have a whole new house. Exactly. With just changing the front door. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to find this one again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. RepcoLite and Port City Paints, we're all open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.